Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Bellerín, otro defensor, otro disparo, Monreal, gol. Marca el futbolista español, marca Nacho Monreal. Pim, pam, pum. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. James, good morning to you. Good morning to you too, Andrew. How are you doing today? I'm all right. I'm all right, you know, um... Am I calm? Am I sanguine? Am I... I don't know what I am exactly. I'm a kind of churning maelstrom of different thoughts and um, uh, opinions and things, Mm. you know? Um, You know what you need? What? To chill you right out. What's that? A little trip to Dubai. Nice, relaxing (laughs) trip. (laughs) Business trip to Dubai. Seven-hour flight there, seven-hour flight back, you know, even in... Even in you would come back part. fresh as a daisy. I could last probably, what, 45 minutes of this podcast if I did. I'd say the first half of this podcast, you'd be absolutely fine. Yeah, have to come uh, off at halftime and be replaced by, I don't know, the man from East Lower? Who knows? Some up-and-coming young blogger yeah. who can't take a corner. That's him, <laughs> yeah. all right. <laughs> uh, um, oh, my God. Let's all just go to Dubai, I think. I think that's for the rest of the season... I will have to be attending to business matters by a pool in Dubai. I mean, that is, you know, one of those things. If Willian had gone out yesterday and played out of his skin and, you know, uh, been really effective and everything else, Mm. you would not give a single shit if he went to Dubai or to Dubai and back and there again. And you just would not care. He can commute from Dubai, as far as I'm concerned, if he plays well. Yeah, but when you go to Dubai... And then you have to come off at halftime because of a, a muscular injury, a muscular strain. Like, I, I thought it was at half. I was like, oh, well, you know what? William's been pretty indifferent once again, and Arteta isn't standing for it, and Reese Nelson's coming on, and like, fuck it. Let's, let's go for it. Why the fuck not? And then you realize that it's because, you know, he had an injury. And maybe it's got nothing to do with flying to Dubai, but when you fly to Dubai and then that happens, people are going to put two and two together and make four, whether four is the answer or not. Yeah, there's lots of reasons, like in a pandemic and with all the international games that have been played, that players could get injured at the moment. There are mm. a lot of kind of justifiable excuses. I'm not sure that is one. I have to say, I don't know if you felt this, but in the first like 10 minutes, I did think Willian looked slightly more alert. There was a moment on the left wing where he went past somebody mm. you know he just sort of accelerated yeah. beyond the fullback and I thought ah here we are. I, I genuinely thought maybe he's been put out there and told you know 
you, you, you fucked up by going to Dubai. Yeah. You're going to play today and I want to see something from you. And I thought in that first 15 minutes, oh, maybe we will. And then by the time he came off at half time, I, like you, assumed it was tactical because his performance had just sort of yeah. plateaued as it as it tends to. Um, yeah, I mean, a really frustrating one. I made a joke on Twitter saying, you know, one of Mick Arteta's non-negotiables is starting Willian. Uh, but it does feel like that. <laughs> yeah, we have a few questions on that, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I did have the horror. Did you have the horror when you saw the game kick off with Willian? Yeah, every Arsenal fan did. Every Arsenal fan I, felt that. I looked at it and it was like, well, here's team selection. Looks like it's Aubameyang down the middle. And uh, then it's like, Willian. I mean, did they do that on purpose just to give us a, a fright, I don't know, do you think? Did you hear Arteta pre-game? Arteta, in his pre-match interview to Sky Sports, mm. he kind of said, um, you know, that he was asked about playing Aubameyang centrally, and he was like, you know, he's done very well playing in his natural position on the left, but uh, it's mm. always an option for us to look at. And, you know, there was just a little bit of, um, how can I put it, resistance, I yeah. think, from the manager. You know, I do, I do get the sense that it's a change he's made not entirely happily. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I kind of get the sense that some of the team selections were... Um, it's not quite that these are things he wants to do, more that the things that he has been doing have been so poor that he's got literally no choice than to mm. do something. Do you know what I mean? Well, in that respect, I mean, presumably you, like me, were slightly... Uh, intrigued and maybe even excited. Imagine applying that mm. word to a football match by this starting lineup. Given that it, you know, it, it ostensibly had a Bemyang up front, it had Joe Willock in it, it had Nicola Pepe in it. Yeah. There was there were changes there. Absolutely, I think we have to acknowledge that, and that those were things that many of us have been looking for. You know, to play mm -hmm. Aubameyang as a central striker, to bring in Nicolas Pepe, not necessarily shift Willian to the left hand side, but I do feel like team selection was in some way um, informed by the international break. And I think, you know, he didn't want to start Bakayo Saka because no, he's no. played a lot and you can understand that. So I think the the selection of Willian was literally, you know, the other option was to play Pepe, start Lacazette again and play Aubameyang on the left. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that would have that would not have maybe pleased people because, um, you know, we're, we're, we're starting, uh, Lacazette because who was, who was quite bad in the, in the Villa game, but Willian was also quite bad. So he had to pick one of them and I don't know. Yeah. It, 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 it sort of encouraged me. And I have to say, I thought maybe the first 10, 15 minutes from an Arsenal perspective were not bad. No. I mean, I'm not saying it was great, but I don't think it was particularly, Bad. There was some um, some weird passes from Danny Ceballos in the first 10, 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah. Don't know what I was, was like, going someone on. Someone warming up on the sidelines in their kit or mm. something. There were two that he just played very emphatically out of play. With nobody anywhere near them, yeah. Um, mm. So, yeah, look, the, uh, that aside, you know, I thought there was some intent. I thought there was some uh, some energy. And then it just sort of... Stopped. It was around 25 minutes, half hour mark for me that the game really seemed to swing in Leeds' favour. Mm. One of the things that really struck me was just the sheer energy levels. I mean, I know it's a, a Bielsa team and you sort of got to expect that, but Arsenal looked 
I mean, like they'd all been on a plane for seven hours. Do you mm. know what I mean? They they really did look leggy as compared to Leeds. Yeah, I mean, you get to tw- the twenty six minute mark, and it's relatively even in terms of what what's been going on. You know, both teams have had four shots, passes. You know, more or less the same. Mm. Um, crosses. Leeds have eight. Uh, Arsenal have six. Uh, where where there's a big difference for me, and I think it tells you a lot about the way Leeds play and, and why maybe we found it difficult to deal with them. 15 tackles uh, Leeds had with more possession compared to our three. And then yeah. from, you know, by the time you get to halftime, Leeds have had 13 shots to our five, so they've added another, um, whatever that is, nine shots in the final 20 minutes, and we've had just one, and then the, the passes mm-hmm. um, and the possession is, is way in Leeds' favour, you know? So, yeah, I mean, what he tried to do with the initial team selection certainly didn't work in the first half. Um, no, no, and I, and you know, Leeds provide a very specific challenge, and one of the things I noticed during the game was that uh, you know obviously they press really high, and that made it um, awkward, should we say, for Arsenal to do the thing they customarily do, which is play out from the back. Yeah, I was going to ask you about this. Yeah, because you know one of the things that Arteta has said constantly is that. You know, he wants his team to play out from the back. He's nervous when we kick it long because the ball comes straight back at you. And without anyone to really aim at, you know, up the pitch, I think we were aiming our goal kicks towards Nicolas Pepe. We were. Um, Maybe because he's the best guy in the air, that sort of thing. I don't quite know. But, you know, we don't really have anybody who can do that job. Mm -hmm. Um I was just a little bit surprised that there wasn't more of a, an effort to try and play out from the back. Well, I, I think they were obviously worried about it. I mean, you're absolutely right. Pepe, I think he won three of six aerial duels, which I've never seen a stat like that for him in a Premier League game. Mm. And if you look at Leno's passing, uh, it was all much, much longer. They looked to kind of go you know, over the press effectively. But... You know, one of the big problems for this Arsenal team in this match was they were so bad at progressing the play. And that's because their one way of usually progressing it is to play out from the back. And they just didn't uh, fancy doing that against Leeds. I think they just thought it was too great a risk, which is a compliment to Bielsa and Leeds in some ways. But it just left us without much of a an exit route, I felt. And, and funnily enough, you know, you talk about starting Willian over Lacazette. I mean... Lacazette's not great holding the ball up and I know it's a sort of bugbear for some people that he gets praised for it but he's probably he probably would have been a better target for some of this some of these long balls than Pepe would have been so the, the thinking didn't appear entirely joined up to my mind yeah and look I think you know it's not like that was something we made up on the fly I think you know I, mm. I guess there was some discussion about this oh, for sure going into the game so what I'm curious about is if you're implementing something different uh, implementing something different like basically your goalkeeper is kicking it long mm. why wasn't there more energy more effort to try and win those second balls yeah I mean it's like I've got the numbers up um, now. So Leeds' uh, goalkeeper, where is he? What's his name? Melier. So he was completing almost 70% of his passes, right? Yeah. Whereas Arsenal, Burn Leno, 
Right. Uh, and he played 25 passes into the opponent's half, uh, which is, of his 40 passes, the majority. So it was a definite, definite decision how, and change. How many of those were successful? Do you know? Uh, Can you- 24%. Right. So, you know, half the time, about, roughly, we were giving them the ball back. It's, it's strange, you know. It is strange. Yeah, because it, I, know Le- I know leads are energetic. I know they press high. But, mm. you know, part of the way that we might have been able to create more and, and hurt them was to, to work our, our way around the press, mm. you know. Um, and there did, just yeah. didn't seem to be any effort at all to do that from the start. It was like we said, well, we're not going to do this today. And we, there was basically no variation at all. And I know the second half is a little bit different because of, because of what happened and, and the fact we were down to 10 men. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, it, it is interesting. And actually, sort of my first reaction watching the game was one of, wow, you know, I, in the moment I felt Arsenal really missed David Luiz and Thomas Partey, say, because I was like, we're just not building the ball up through, the, through this middle of the pitch. But when you look at the fact that Leno was going long time after time, I mean, Luiz probably would have been less of a weapon. I don't know. Maybe maybe Arteta would have been more confident to play out from the back with Luiz there instead of Rob Holding. I'm not sure. But maybe. it's interesting playing against a Leeds team who are so uncompromising in their principles. And I think that's something Arteta would probably find admirable. Uh, and playing out from the back has been such a core principle of his. Yeah. Well, we not compromised. Yeah, we yeah, compromised our it's own. strange. Strange. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, what else can we say about the first half other than I was glad it was over? Um, you know, I thought, I thought we were lucky. You know, they were on top, weren't they? They, they yeah. really should have scored in that period. Yeah, they had some chances. In fairness, um, which they didn't take, thankfully. And you know, halftime came, and I thought, well, look. There is a chance here to do something at the break to sort of refocus your players to, you know, to, I don't know, maybe change something in the way that you're going to play. And there was obviously the change then, Reese Nelson coming on for for Willian. But after, mm-hmm. what, three or four minutes, you're, you're down to 10 men. And look, I think it was a rank piece of play acting by the Leeds player. Mm-hmm. No question about it. He he made a meal of it. The, the 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 contact does not merit that kind of a reaction, but it's a red card all day long. You just cannot put your head on somebody like that uh, and make that kind of a motion. You can just about sometimes get away with, you know, when the two, the two go together at the same head time, to sort of yeah. head to head, and there's a bit of like pushing like a pair of crap stags. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, there was there was – when you look at the replays, a very slight but very definite motion from Pepe towards the Leeds player. Um, you know, he fell into a trap, you might say, and uh, like we, we can't argue with the red card. No, you know the consequences for doing that on a football pitch. You know, it's not the most aggressive or violent action no. you'll see, but... You know, we live in a world where there's a lot of grey areas around what's a foul and what's a penalty and what's a red card. But there's no real grey area, I don't think, around this one. You know, you absolutely know what you're getting into. And uh, just so disappointing, I think, because Mm. I think like everybody else, I was excited to see Pepe play. And there were a couple of moments in the first half where 
you sort of see that's why you pick him, you know, because he can produce, you know, he has a, a miscued cross that hits the bar, he flashes another shot wide and you're like, well, at least he brings that element of productivity in the final third. But then yeah. to stuff up the opportunity in that fashion, I mean, I think Mikel Arteta's faith in Pepe is a fragile thing. Yeah. And I think he did some r- real damage to that last night. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's what's the most disappointing aspect of this is that I really wanted Pepe to have a good game, really, mm. because, you know, like everybody, I'm I'm tired of watching Willie Ann, who has to be... It, it, just, it just frustrated me that he, he passed up an opportunity, not simply by not playing particularly well. I thought he was okay in the first half. There were some moments, like you say. I thought he was fine. Yeah, yeah. he was fine. Um, but to sort of self-destruct or self-sabotage in that way, you know, it, it's just... Yeah, like, I think he's got a long road back from here, to be honest. Because like you, I think Arteta isn't fully convinced by him. And I think that's, you know, being diplomatic. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you truly believe in a player, you don't go out and bring in an aged veteran from a rival club to play in his position. You don't do what we did in the transfer market. Um, no, and, and this was only a second league start of the season. And, you know, that tells you its own story too. Mm. So, I mean, what, na- what now for for Pepe? Where does this leave him? Obviously, it leaves him with a three-game ban. So he's not going to play against Wolves. He's not going to play in the North London Derby. He's not going to play in, is it Burnley after that? Yeah. Um, Do you think he'll play on Thursday? It's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because it's like, well, do you, when a player gets sent off for something that's stupid, Mm. do you then reward them with a start? Or is playing against Malda a reward? Because we've got to go, that's a way, isn't it? Yeah. So it might be a case that, yeah, he starts. What's the option? I suppose Reese Nelson is the option. Yeah. Um, I guess people like Nelson and Smith-Rowe will feel... They want to show. I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on what his reaction is to it, and what his um, what Arteta's reaction to his reaction is. Because you know, clearly, the manager was really, really pissed off with Pepe mm-hmm. after the game. Really pissed off. Like, I am yeah, seething. I think he was seething. Really, yeah. Where do you stand on on what Arteta said? Yeah. Um, because, you know, for me, he said something along the way. It was unacceptable. I think that's, you know, I don't really have a big problem with that because I think it is unacceptable for a player to be stupid. It's not the end of the world, but, you know, it is not the same as, for example, making a late challenge or, or doing yeah. something daft Trying in the to box. Trying to deny you know. a goal. Yeah. yeah. You know, at least there's some intent to... I don't know, play the game. That's not in the game. That's sort of outside the rules of the game. So I can understand why he said it was unacceptable. But there was something else which I think was maybe a little bit careless. Um, He said something along the line. I'm going to get the quote up here now just so I can be 100% sure of it. Um, He said... I really, I really like the personality of the team when Pepe let the team down. Mm. Now that's... Mm. It's pretty harsh. 
you know, it's. I think it's one thing to label his behavior and the red card and what led to it unacceptable. And I think he, he did let the team down. There's no question. But, I, you know, I just wonder, is that the kind of thing that you keep... Is that the kind of thing you keep in-house? I think maybe. I think, like I say, I think he was really, really angry and you could see it in him. And and I don't know what's happening in Mikel Arteta's head, but I've had, I'd have a pretty good guess that there was a sort of slight feeling of, I told you so. Do you know what I mean? A feeling of like, I knew I, knew I was right in my hunch mm. about this player. Um, and I'm not saying that he is right. But I'm just saying that it's clear that that is kind of how he feels. And I think he came away from this game probably thinking ah, I should, that was a chance I shouldn't have given him, which is a terrible shame for the player, uh, potentially a shame for the team. Um, yeah, I think that that is a bit that is strong, you know, to say publicly he let the team down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a different thing if you say I've heard managers say quite frequently you know, Nico feels he's let the team down and he's apologised. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. bit different. Yeah. Um, Arteta coming out and saying it um, is 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 strong. But you're, you're right in that, like, we don't know the full context of what happened behind closed doors. We don't know what Pepe stood up and said in the dressing room. We don't know to what degree he took ownership of it or not. Yeah. Um, and maybe at that stage Arteta doesn't know because it's very No, I mean that raw. was his that was his post game interview on Sky. Yeah. You know, no where, time has passed really. Yeah, and there probably hasn't been any kind of um chat in the dressing room beyond you know the whatever sort of uh anger or frustration you might have in that particular moment, you know. Mm. First sending off of his career. I mean, it's yeah. not like he's a guy who blows his top all the time. Um, you know, Sky showed the kind of build-up to it, but I have to say, I didn't think there was sort of... It, it seemed like six or one half a dozen the other, to be honest to me. Yeah, I mean, there were, I don't quite understand why he got so frustrated, you know, because there was a bit of pushing and what have you, and I think he pushes the guy first. Mm. If you look at the, the replay, I think he goes to push... Yeah, he does. Yeah, he, he does. pushes him first, and the guy pushes him back, and it's like... What are you doing? Like what? I mean, we don't know what was going on before that, but it does seem very, you know, they're definitely both at it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, you know... But uh, you, you say frustrated. I mean, you know, is there a case that this is a, a frustration that he feels generally boiling over, you know, or are we projecting too much there? Do you think the pressure to impress might have influenced this? I don't know. I don't know. Look, it's impossible to say, isn't it? He, he's yeah. He's been in the papers in the last couple of weeks talking about how he's frustrated at not playing more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was given a chance. And, and like I said, I think the chance has come because of the need to change something in the team more than, you know, uh, Pepe being absolutely brilliant when he's played this season. I don't think that's true of anybody, to be honest. No. Uh but I think when you do talk like that, you have a you put pressure on yourself, I suppose, when you are given a chance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Look, it, it's it's out of character for him, and you know, plenty of players down the years at Arsenal have done stupid things, and it was really stupid. And he deserves a three match ban for you know because he knows fine well, and everybody knows fine well, you cannot do that on a football pitch, particularly now, 
given that we have VAR and everything else. You know, it, it's just rank stupidity. Um, it would be a it would be a shame if this was sort of the end of him, though. I don't think we can afford to just say, "Well, that's it." You know, no, no, we no, can't. No. I mean, we can't. We do, we don't have the players to just sort of say, "Well." That's the end of Pepe now. He's had his chance. He's blown it. That's it. You know, there's still a need to try and extract some value from this player, whether it's on the pitch um, in the next few weeks, because, you know, I say this, you know, with the transfer window in mind, but at the same time realizing that Arsenal probably aren't going to do much. So, you know, we need to extract some value from him on the pitch and we need to maintain some value in him. Um, if he's a player that we no longer want and are looking to sell. Mm. You know what I mean? We can't just sort of... I think we have to be smarter in the way that we manage this. You know, which is... Well, so far, it's been, uh, you know, an investment that's gone badly awry, I think you have to say. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, last night tipped it over into really disaster zone kind of signing for me and that's not to be completely critical of the player himself I just mean that as a deal when you spend 72 million pounds on a player and this is what you're getting you cannot stand behind that deal no 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 and I think some of that is on the player and I think some of that is on the the club you know it's a a shared responsibility collectively it hasn't worked out at this point Um, I agree with you you can't be as simplistic as just to say well that's it, he's finished. Um, but I do slightly... I mean, I, f- I feel like this is a, was a significant moment, you know, and either it will be framed as he rose like a phoenix from there and sort of, you know, managed to come back from the brink mm. or, you know, we, we may reflect on it as kind of the beginning of the end. I think, you know, I, I don't know, but it, it's it's such bad timing for mm. him. That's the main thing. It's a, it's a terrible time mm. for him to have to sit down for three games. Does it feel a little bit like a tipping point in terms of what people think of him or think of the deal? Because, you know, I know there are some people who are quite unconvinced by him as a player, and I can understand it. He's frustrating. Um, But maybe has it gone sort of mainstream, if you like now, that that idea that this is a... this is a bad deal that there's there's some talent in the player and we've seen flashes of that talent but not enough consistency but as a as a transfer we have to now look at it as a a bad one i'm sure that there's a degree of that i mean i have to say i have seen some stuff oh by the way we should touch on the the kind of abuse element of this and arsenal and leeds have put out a statement this morning and it goes without saying that whatever your kind of critical opinion of the player that's appalling and mm. social media is uh, a pretty grim place in some recesses and they need to do more to police that. But um, setting that to one side and just sort of analysing it technically, I do think that there are still a lot of people who who empathise with Pepe and I'm seeing that, at least on my timeline, this sort of sense of, you know, he's not had the right support he's not had the right formation I, I think maybe sometimes as a fan base we make a little too many excuses for him because there's a goodwill and a, and a desperation almost for that deal to work out and for it to be mm. reflect positively on the club um, you know I think with Pepe we always say 
well, you can tell he's talented, you know, and, and that's sort of the the given. Oh, there's talent there. Mm. But but increasingly, I'm just of the opinion that talent is a relatively <laughs> meagre part in in what separates the the very best from everybody else. And you know, Pepe may have uh, as much natural talent as say a Mo Salah, but maybe there are other elements to a player like that, you know, be that drive or application or a type of f- football intelligence that enable him to absolutely maximise that talent. Or, and, or uh, uh, sorry to cut across you, but yeah. but maybe being in a team that is effective as well, that plays to the strengths of the talents of the individual. You know, I'm not yeah. saying that we should build a team around Pepe, but it's it's increasingly difficult to make individual assessments of players when as a collective... You know, there is this malaise. I mean, we are, I think we're in a really interesting phase of this particular project Mm. because there was a lot of goodwill. You know, there was obviously a lot of belief and a lot of hope and a lot of optimism that we could go in the right direction or we were going in the right direction. We won a trophy and it was, you know, fantastic. And it's not that long ago since we've won a trophy. And I feel like at the moment we're a bit worn down with, with the way that we're playing and understandably. So it's kind of hard to remember that. I think we are capable of better than this. Um, But, you know, Arteta and I think the team are in a kind of a rut. And it felt to me yesterday, you know, particularly I was looking at the first half and at halftime I was sort of thinking like, if we could just nick a win here, if we could just score a goal and nick a 1-0 win, it wouldn't be brilliant. It wouldn't be uh, the answer to all of our problems, but it it would be such a, a, a nice little building block, if you like, to go on to the next game and to try and, and do it. And and we've sort of dug ourselves deeper into this rut, even if we did, in the end, come away with, with a point. Well, we, yeah, we, I mean, we sort of nicked a point and we, and we very nearly did nick a win. I mean, we had a chance, didn't we? Um, yeah. Maybe two chances, depending on your opinion of the, the penalty incident. <laughs> I well look yeah do you want to talk about that because look yeah I think we had a, a question actually on it um, let's see here uh, I think it was from the Discord yeah it was from Ash Richards ninety on the Discord he says we didn't deserve it at all but another questionable VAR decision goes against us for the handball why do we get one show and decision made and teams like uh, one shot maybe and decision made and teams like United get every angle possible to prove it should be given look it it feels very much like uh, clutching at straws and I'm absolutely admitting that but I don't understand what's handball anymore I don't think anybody does. To be honest, I mean, I, I so I, I don't think that incident that we saw yesterday should be a penalty. That's I, my opinion. I, I agree, but I've also seen much softer penalties given this season for similar kind of handball incidents. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I imagine the distinction that, I don't know, Dale Johnson will be wheeled out to provide on Twitter, is that the player is off balance, so he has less control over his body position right. at that point okay. okay but i agree that in a world where you're seeing handballs given for a, a, you know a ball coming at a player who can't even see the ball and it hits his arm mm. you, you're entitled to ask the question yeah 
Definitely. I don't think we should dwell on it, though, because it's not really the, the thing. Um, wh- what did you make of the way that we played with 10 men and Bakayo Saka's introduction mm. made us more effective from an attacking perspective? So uh, maybe those things are two separate things. Uh, because- well, yeah, I, I think it suits us better. Frankly, I think that's the way that we have played more often under Arteta to an extent, to kind of sit in deep. And our, our best performances have been, maybe backs to the wall is a bit strong, but, you know, um, f- performances based more around structure and shape and, and hitting counter-attacks. And, and actually, in some respects, we looked a bit more comfortable doing that. Mm. However, I don't think it should be overlooked that Leeds also had plenty of chances at the other end and were oh, yeah. pretty unfortunate not to score. Yeah, look, it was a couple of uh, occasions. It was poor finishing, hit the cross, hit the crossbar, hit the post, the woodwork three times. So you ride yeah. your look um, in circumstances like that. I think we, I think we uh, got away with it. Um, I think the defenders did their best, you know, but at the mm-hmm. same time, we were... We were caused problems by uh, by Leeds, who took advantage of the extra man. So it wasn't a case that we we simply, you know, sat there and made it really difficult for Leeds to take shots. They had shots. They had chances on goal. You know, they had loads mm-hmm. of chances on goal. We did have that brilliant chance from Saka. I mean, Saka, at 19 years of age, having come through our academy, has done uh, did more in that game than Pepe and William put together. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, I think, you know, I don't think Pepe is the great hope of this Arsenal team. I think it is Saka. And I, and I you know, you saw how good he was. We mm. had a chance, basically, as long as he was on the field. And, of course, worrying that he didn't last on the field. Hopefully nothing too serious. But, yeah, I mean, uh, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. And, yeah, I mean, if you look at that chance in isolation probably you'd expect him to take it. I do think the goalkeeper does really, really well. Yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. He's a good keeper, that guy. I I, I remember he made his, I think it was his debut he played against us uh, in the Cup last season. And you could see he's really good on the ball, very agile. I like it, but he kind of goes down. It's rare to see a keeper go down and then sort of manage to get back up and get round the ball in the way that he did. Yeah, keeper did very well. Very well. I, I'm not going to be critical of Saka for for missing that kind of a chance. Uh, you know, I think that's kind of an element of his game that will come. Um, but what a great run and what a brilliant pass from Hector Bellerin. You know, I think if people... Yeah, and a good run from him as well yeah. uh, to open it up. I mean, Bellerin... Bellerin he's, uh, he's a mad player. Yeah, Hector he is. Bellerin is a fucking mad player, right? Um, the foul throw thing. Now, referees are watching him. When he takes for his sure. throws. Because other players are getting away with it. Yeah, for sure. I throw like this my whole life, mate. Wolf, <laughs> but there was another foul throw, but he created a chance for Aubameyang in the in the first half. Was that the one that he kind of mishit? He slashed it, yeah. He yeah, really yeah. slashed it. Um, he created that brilliant chance for, uh, for Saka. And there was a moment in the second half... I think, again, it was Saka involved. There was a break between Tierney and Saka, and then there was a cross for Aubameyang in the middle, and he kind of turned, and he had a shot which was easy for the keeper. 
But when you look at the replay, who's up beside him supporting him? Hector Bellerin. Like, yeah. what is his position? Well, I, see, in the first half, I thought that um, he played a much more conservative uh, role because we'd added an extra attacking player, I guess, in Joe Willock. And um, Bellerin seemed to me to be spending a lot more time in his own half in the first half. Um, but in the second half, it felt like it opened up and he got forward a bit more. And he, yeah, he does drive in field. I mean, an interesting thing, you know, he didn't make a single cross in the game. Um, Kieran Tierney made three. And I think it's basically because he doesn't go on the outside. He goes on the inside. He looks to mm. play those kinds of passes through, which I think is probably more suited to his strengths. I think he's actually having a, a good season, Hector Bellerin. Somebody asked about him. Uh, and it wasn't about the foul throws, which I think are driving absolutely everybody insane. Let me just see if I can dig it. Yeah, out. I mean, look, um, I, I understand that, but... Yeah. Hey, just said, does Bellerin deserve more praise for his performances this season? Villa aside, his passing, dribbling and defensive attributes have notably improved, which suggests he's developing into a more complete and well-rounded right-back who's no longer solely reliant on his pace. Mm, yeah, I mean, who who has <laughs> who has more assists this season than Hector Bellerin in this team. Mm. I don't know that anybody does. And I think, you know, he's a... He's never going to be the greatest defensive right back. But I don't think he is one of the big issues that this team faces. I think, like, in Tierney and in Bellerin, we've got two really good fullbacks. Um, there are other areas of the pitch, I think, which require more focus. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think it's, for me, he's more caught the eye going forward this season. Um, but, you know, I have been reminded of his ability to dribble, his ability to pass. I think we are seeing that more, mm. more. I mean, it's interesting. You know, we were talking about Pepe earlier and Saka to an extent. And, you know, who's playing well in this team? And I mm. think everyone you think of is kind of in the defensive third of the pitch. Because I would say Bellerin, Tierney, Gabriel, you know, they're, they're the guys really who I'd say are kind of, I, I suppose Saka might be another. But beyond that, the attacking players, you know, yeah. you couldn't really say with confidence any of them are playing well. Yeah, Bellerin has four assists this season, which is twice as many as the next best, which is Saka, Pepe, Willian and Joe Willock. Mm. Um, and co quite what that says about us in general is another question, but there you go. Um, so, I mean, a nil-nil, it is a point, I think, in the circumstances we should be relatively pleased with, within the context of the game. Not saying it's, you know, something we should be pleased about in general, but given what we had to face and given that we played with 10 men for so long and, and Leeds hit the woodwork and everything else. Yeah. It's a point away from home, which in the grand scheme of things isn't the worst thing in the world. But of course, the, the wider context is that this was another game in which we were pretty unconvincing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think better teams than us will probably also drop points at Ellen Road. But I think what's troubling is, that, you know, the kind of continued narrative of our problems going forward. I mean, Leeds do concede goals. That's the trade-off that mm. they make in their style. Conventionally, they do concede goals and they conceded four to Palace, four to Leicester mm. in the build-up before. Um, yeah. I know that the, the 10 men thing is obviously a big factor in, in that, but um, it, it, 
we also we also conceded. I, I, you know, I think we matched pretty much the Watford game. Well, we got close to it, didn't we, under Emery, in terms of how many shots we allowed on Watford our Watford was thirty odd, but yeah, I mean, I think. Um... 25 was it or something like yeah that. some some of that you could say is down to you know the fact that um that we were down to 10 men but at the same mm-hmm. time Leeds had whatever um let me just get the stats up here 13 and they shots. weren't all great chances no no you know. no i mean chance quality you've got to look at as well but mm-hmm. Leeds had more shots in the first half when it was 11 versus 11 than they did right. when we were down to 10 men so you know, I, I, you have to take the ten men thing into it, but there wasn't enough in that first half to really take any comfort in the way that we played. Um, you know, I know it can often be different after halftime. You get in mm. at the break and you reassess and you take stock and you 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 look for more from your players and and it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we could have had a better second half with eleven men than we did in the first half but you know we will never know that so there's no point really speculating um you know were you in any way discouraged by i don't know it's hard to measure isn't it the lack of the lack of response to the villa game in the first half if you like so this is the first game after two weeks you're fired up you've got to go out you've got to you've got to prove yourself and we were dominated pretty much by Leeds. Uh, yeah, I, I do think that we have to we have to also take stock of kind of the other factors contributing to the performance. You know, things like the international travel, not having had the team together for any great length of time. You know, Leeds suffered with that a lot less than we did. Um, and, and, and I'm sure that's disruptive. And, you know, classically, your first game back after an international break isn't the most flowing performance. But I do think there's a kind of another point, which is that, uh, and, I, and I'm not saying that everyone was saying this, but, you know, just changing the orientation of the front three is not going to fix everything. You know, uh, clearly, I think Arsenal have got a problem in how they get the ball into the attack as well. And that still was an issue against Leeds. And maybe Louise helps that. Maybe Partey helps that. Um, we were without maybe Saka starting helps that but I am yeah listen I I basically don't think there was any there was a bit of a revolution in the starting lineup, but not really a revolution in what we saw and uh, it's probably unrealistic to expect that but uh, I think it shows you know there's still a lot of room for improvement and an interesting sort of discussion that's beginning to happen now is like it's not great fun, is it, to watch? It's not entertaining, really, the way we play. No. No, it's not. But then, I mean, it doesn't have to be entertaining. I think if it was effective, you well, could People are you entertained by goals, that. aren't they, principally? So well, if you're yeah. scoring goals and winning games, pretty much anything's acceptable, mm. I think. Yeah, I mean that's true. I mean, and, and again, it's it's um, you know trying to find balance when your team hasn't scored from open play in whatever it is seven hours or eight hours mm. of football or whatever it might be uh, in the Premier League it should be pointed out. Um, you know, I thought there was an interesting thing 
I think it, maybe they said it on the commentary that, you know, we've won four out of eight in the Premier League. Yeah. But we've won, we've won 10, a cup games. 10 yeah. out of 14 in all competitions. So, I mean, it's the, the, the Premier League that is informing the way people feel about things. Because obviously, you know, you're not going to get too... Uh, overboard with wins over opposition in the Europa League that you're expected to beat, you know? Um, yeah. But, you know, who did we beat in the Carabao Cup? Leicester? Liverpool? Yeah. Did we beat Liverpool? Yeah, we did. So there, you know. Was it? I yeah. I remember. So, um, I mean, there's yeah. a lot getting sort of in mixed up in, a, in, in our Premier League malaise, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, we are 11th in the table, but the table is still very compressed. I mean, I'd point out that Man United are 10th, Man City are 13th. I don't, I really don't believe this table will look the same towards the end of the season. I I think it will still be quite weird, but I don't think it will play quite like this. But, you know, I think, um, I think being entertaining is something that, that does matter to Arsenal fans and we we talked about this a lot under Emery but I do think that maybe particularly in an environment where there is no atmosphere there are no fans there is no kind of carnival of football what you do on the field and the way that you play uh, maybe has all the more pertinence and all the more kind of emphasis in people's minds um, mm. I, I don't know, but it's just an interesting conversation to keep track of because my experience tells me it doesn't play well for Arsenal managers when the team's not fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I don't know what more to say about that that game in particular. Is there anything else no. we need to talk about in the game before we go into some of the questions? Because I think there are some wider some wider um, questions and debates and talking points that we might want to go into in in part two? No, no, nothing really more about the game. I think as well, the other reason the Premier League form is so uh, pertinent is obviously who's topping the table right now, you know, and I'm sure Arsenal fans are sort of looking at that and not feeling too happy about it. So we definitely need to address our Premier League form and position very, very soon. Mm, okay. Let's take a break. We will uh, come back with your questions and more in part two right after this. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog and also on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. So some wider issues, some things that we need to get into here, I think. And um, it's sort of going back to uh, something we discussed at the start. Um, this one is uh, from Be Well at Skipper AFC. It says, how negotiable are Mikel Arteta's non-negotiables? Seems you can play regularly uh, like utter shit, then go to Dubai against the rules in the middle of a worldwide pandemic and UK lockdown and still start for Arsenal. They seem like fairly negotiable non-negotiables. And Tabo Matsepe, uh, I think, uh, who's at Spoko underscore May on Twitter, says, um, Ceballos fought with his own teammates, protected. Louise, red card, twice, protected. I think Louise had more than two red cards, didn't he? Maybe more. Willian breaks the rules. Uh, Tierney was causing a scene last night, protected. Pepe does a silly thing, thrown under the bus, same as Genduzi. Is Mikel being consistent with how he treats players? Hmm. Yeah. Interesting question. Um, I think, I think, I think no. I think he's not. And I, the only thing that's giving me sort of a caveat for that about the selection of Willian, for example, is how many external factors there were on this team selection. You know, I think maybe if Bukayo Saka uh, comes back, having not played three times for England, maybe he plays in that position. Do you know I, what I mean? So, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's. I think that's right, or, or certainly I would like to think that if Saka were fully fit, uh, he would have he would have played ahead of Willian. Mm. I'm hoping, anyway. But it does seem, sort of as I joked in part one, as if Willian is kind of one of the first names on the team sheet. Um and, you know, I, I do feel that one of the things Arteta brought to Arsenal when he first arrived was that idea of meritocracy. And I'm not sure that's quite there to the same extent. Mm. Unless we, unless he feels Willian is offering us things that other players don't, you know, and we're not seeing it. I mean, I, I was struck. He, he's very, he is, he is pretty safe in possession and there's good and bad to that. I think... I think yesterday his passing completion rate was in the 90s, you know, which for an ostensibly attacking player, there's not really another guy at Arsenal who offers you that, you know. Mm. Um, well, there is, but he's not registered to play. And uh, maybe that's in Arteta's thoughts. But yeah, I think it's on. And the Pepe one is really interesting. I mean, to kind of throw a question back at you, um, there was a question from Gunnar Punna who said, modern day management is about nuance. Clearly, Pepe deserves blame for the red, but does anything you've seen about his personality make you think that a tough love approach will do anything other than ruin the player? Should the club be smarter about player management? Um, yeah, I mean, look, he, he strikes me as kind of an introvert, Pepe. Mm -hmm. And maybe the arm around the shoulder 
approach has been tried. Maybe that's something they have done, and maybe now it's a, a more of a a tough love thing, you know, rise to the challenge, create a competitive environment in which he's got to, you know, step up and flourish and everything else. Like, was the signing of Willian um, a signal to say, well, we don't think you're good enough, you're being replaced, or was it like, let's see how you respond to this? You yeah. know, I'm not saying the signing of Willian was smart in any way, by, by the way. So... um I don't quite know. I mean, we only know what we know from the outside and from the inside. We don't know what kind of conversations have been had or or anything like that. Um, Look, he's obviously, Arteta, uh, this is a very single-minded guy. And he wants what he wants and he expects what he expects. And he makes decisions. And he's made big decisions. But you, you... you get judged on the consequences of those decisions or how they work out for you, you know? So, so yeah, far... Yeah, when it works, you're a genius. And yeah. When it doesn't, you know. when it doesn't, you're open to question. I think he's he's open to question on some of uh, the decisions that he's made, which I think is understandable when you're an inexperienced manager, Um, uh, which isn't to make excuses for it, but it's how much tolerance you have for that. You know, and that's an individual thing. You know, people are, some people will say, well, look, this is a process. We're making changes. We wanted a change of culture. Uh, it was never going to be an easy road. There are always going to be bumps along the way, et cetera, et cetera. But people have a finite amount of patience. Um, yeah, like, do you, I mean, I think I think the implication is that people kind of think maybe Arteta takes too hard a line, you know, that... It's kind of his his, his the his way or the highway approach maybe isn't the most suited to getting the best out of certain players, you know. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, which may be true, may be true, but I mean, Arteta will probably say, "Well, then they're not the players I want to work with." Um, the problem is that you know, in some instances, they're the players he's got. Yeah. I, I mean. If, if Terry Dunn on the Discord asked, if a bid came in for Pepe in January, how much would you accept? Um, I don't know. Genuinely, I don't know. Because right. what if, you know, uh, you couldn't sell him without having somebody else to come in or somebody else to play in that position? I mean, the reality is that, you know, I, I wanted Pepe to work and to to take his chance yesterday because, like, I don't want to see any more Willian. Like, I've had mm. enough already of this guy. Um. So the, the alternative to Willian is Pepe. The alternative to Pepe is more Willian. Yeah. So if you think that Arsenal are going to sell Pepe and go out and buy another right winger then, okay, I could get on board with that if you got somebody who can come in and do a job uh, yeah. and and play. But I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's realistic. I mean, if somebody offered you half your money back for him right now, would you take it? Probably would. I but think you would, you know. I think, I think half would. the money, because I think you'd think, what can we buy for that? You know, we can probably get in this market a player who's at least as good 
uh, and maybe is more suited to the mm. the culture and the team. Mm. So I think at that point you'd have to. I mean, it'd be an extraordinary amount of money to lose on a player. But I, it's a question of do you see his value going in another direction? You know? Do yeah. you see... I don't know. That's how... That's how... And, and why it's important to... Uh, not throw the baby out with the bathwater here, you know, as frustrating as that red card was and as stupid as it was. We cannot um, behave in a way which diminishes his value. the value and and yeah. attractiveness of a player anymore because we've done it too often with players. We've, we've got we've so, many, so many players... Who just have no value to us monetarily whatsoever because of because of how we've decided to to use them or not use them. That's a great point. I mean, I, so personally, I don't have much of a problem with Mikel Arteta kind of drawing lines in the sand and saying, you know, you're on the boat or you're off the boat. Yeah, discipline is I important. I think that's healthy. Yeah. But I, I think what what is a problem is kind of cutting adrift the guys who aren't on the boat, you know, and reducing their value significantly. I mean, the fact that we tried to sell Ganduzi in this summer and then ultimately had to let him go on loan on the final day because we couldn't find a buyer, that's not good. You know, the fact that Mesut Ozil is sat at home costing us what it's costing us is not good. And we cannot let that happen to a club record signing again. Yeah, particularly when you look at the way we are using the resources that we have. Mm. When you when you step back and think about it, we've sunk a lot of money into Willian, mm-hmm. who's a 32-year-old. I'm not going to say has been, because I think they brought him in with the expectation that he could produce at Premier League level because he's done it for years and years at Chelsea, right? So yeah. you know, and, I, and I still think he's he's got to have something in his locker. Do you know what I mean? Like I just don't believe in May he could play, or even in June he could play, and in November he just can't. No, like, I mean he, he's a better player than this, but so far what we've seen from him has been complete shit. It's been mm. fucking dreadful. There's no two ways about it, and there's no making any excuses for it. But we've got now an issue with Pepe. We created some of that issue ourselves. I think the deal itself does not stand up to any kind of scrutiny. I think when you look at, you know, the consequences of that deal and some of the others for the man who was director of football when that deal was made, you know, put two and two together, folks. You know, there's there's a lot going on there, right? Um, we have the Ozil situation. Whatever your stance on that, paying that kind of money to somebody to sit at home and to send tweets to Piers Morgan during an Arsenal game. I mean, what the fuck is that? We have Socrates, you know, uh, out of the squad completely. We have Mustafi, he's going to leave on a free, right? We've got Cedric, who we gave a four-year deal, a fucking Mm. four-year deal to Cedric on pretty big wages because he was a free transfer. So you can guarantee that because this was a a, a, a Kia fucking... uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, influenced deal that, you know, the player came out of it pretty fucking well, I would say. So there's a four-year deal on that guy who... uh, Somebody made a point here. Let me just see what it it was about. I'll see if I can find it now in a second. You know, so you have that one. You've got Pablo Marie, who we paid 
a lot of money for, certainly more than the £4 million Flamengo received. Um, <laughs> and then we go out and buy a, a, a £30 million centre-half to rep- you know, who plays in exactly the same position, the exact same position. So, like, we're happy with, with Gabriel so far, and we're happy with Partey and what have you. But then we have the William Saliba situation, where we've got a £28 million centre-half not playing any football for us. So in terms mm-hmm. of the resources that th- this club is using on players at various levels, um, at various stages in their careers, we are... Uh, it, it's bad. It's bad, 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 you know? And it needs to be put into some kind of shape. It needs to be put into some kind of shape. And, you know, you can point the finger at Arteta for some of it, but you've also got to point the finger at at, at those on high and those at executive level, whether they're still at the club or not at the club. You know, it's why for me there's a huge, huge question mark over Edu. Mm. Like, what the fuck is going on with these players and the way that we're we're... You know, we're we're spending all this money and wasting all this money in certain situations. I mean, it can't continue like that. Somebody has to come in, and maybe it's a process that will be ongoing from here on in. Who knows? But somebody has to come in and say, this is really shit, guys. You need to do a lot better than this. Maybe it's Tim Lewis. Maybe he is the guy with the Cronkies. You know, he's their man on the ground now, and things have been changing behind the scenes uh, to an extent. You know, can can any organization look at that amount of waste and say that it's being well run? It's not. Well, it's a consequence of, I think, how much change there has been. If you look at the summer of 2018, yeah. oh, it's kind of the Sven Mislintat summer, you know, Lucas Torreira, Mateo Ganduzi, Socrates. It's summer of 2019 is the Rausignier summer, you know, Pepe and David Luiz and what have you. And then summer 2020 is kind of the Edu and Arteta summer. And none of those have particularly joined up thinking or a shared vision or idea Mm. of what this team is supposed to be. And I think that is, you know, kind of where we are, that we've we've actually spent a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. But just not effectively or efficiently. So, so... What is required here? Because I can see it. I'm sure you see it on your timeline. You know, there are rumblings and stirrings about Arteta. uh, And I I get it. I do get it. I get why people have doubts. You know, I really want to believe in him. And I I like the way he communicates. And I feel like if we could play half uh, football, half as good as he talks, we'd be fucking top of the league right so there are question marks at the same time i'm aware we went all in on a young manager who's inexperienced and has got a lot to learn and is learning on the job in a very difficult job i'm i'm cognizant of all those things um you know but you're judged on results on a week-to-week basis that's how football works and i can see there's a a long term and there's a medium term but there's also a short term you have to be able to manage the short term as well as those things. But do we need, as a football club, consistency in in who we have making the decisions when it comes to building the squad, even if right now we're finding it a little a little bit difficult to to buy into what's happening? Like would the worst thing 
B, let's bring in another manager and another director of football or another sporting director to, to, to implement his vision on the club, which might be at odds with what, you know, has been put in place so far. Like, we can't keep scrambling and scrambling, can we? We can't keep going back to the drawing board. I don't think so. The caveat to that, I mean, listen, I... I I, I that's my opinion I'm someone who sort of feels we require a period of stability and a measure of patience to kind of see this vision realized before we can make a true objective judgment on it my concern is is Edu the guy to do that you know it, it's interesting that Hasfam is now gone you know elements of the regime that were associated with Raul, you know, have been dismantled, but Edu is very much still there. And he's clearly made enough of an impression internally that they kind of think, well, okay, we're going to stick with Edu. We're going to make him part of this team mm. moving forward. Uh, that's a big show of faith because his job is to be the guy with the vision for the technical side for the next three to five years. Mm. Um, I, I guess we have to let him do that job. Yeah, I mean I I've I've heard Tim uh Tim Stillman talk on the the Arsenal Vision podcast about you know the the difficulties of doing the job that Edu did in Brazil. Yeah. You know for the Brazilian national team and the the role that he had there it was a different job than the one he has here at Arsenal. But you know in Brazilian football you're dealing with uh, an an awful lot of things, you know, on the pitch and off the pitch and everything else. So, you know, there is obviously some character there and there's experience there and everything else. Uh, I, I Like I said, there are question marks over him for me and I'm not particularly convinced. But, you know, unless things go rapidly, rapidly downhill in a very significant way, it's hard to think that we're we're ever going to get back to where we want to get to unless we give something time, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And look, it's it's a really difficult one, you know, after a, a couple of really bad results and everything else, it's easy to see the downside of everything and mm-hmm. forget that there might be some upsides, you know? Um, but I just, you know, I think you can have doubts and also think that, it's reasonable for a manager to get more time and to have more backing in the transfer window to try and build the kind of team that he wants. But, you know, at the same time, I realize and recognize that when part of the team that you wants is Willian, people are going to have doubts. Yeah. Absolutely. And Arsenal haven't necessarily assembled a squad that appears to be on a timeline of, well, in three years, we'll be right there. You know, mm. they've bought, they've signed a lot of players to deals who are a bit older than that. Mm. Um, so that's the contradiction. And I think if there was, you know, in 2006 or whatever it was, Arsenal and Wenger managed to sell an idea of, you know, we're not there right now, but we will be tomorrow. And I think if that was, evidently the thinking in the transfer market then I think people could buy into that Mm. but there's not been that kind of joined up approach and I think that's why people are frustrated but I I tend to agree with you you know I'm someone who's like let's let this play out let's let this 
um, let's see how this bears fruit or not before we make a judgment. But I know there's a lot of people who don't feel like that and they're like, this isn't working, let's make a change. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I can see that that side of things. I just wonder if you keep making changes if you're ever going to find the stability you need to build the kind of team that you need. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. And look, I'm sort of maybe projecting a little bit or, or being overly optimistic. Um, but I think managers do need time unless they absolutely and completely demonstrate that there's no point in that. And I think there have been you know, there's been a success. There's been a, a trophy win. There's been, um, you know, there have been some good signings. I think, like I said, Partey is a signing we should all be very happy about. He's a really good player. And Gabriel so far looks good. And Kieran Tierney is fucking great. And I love him. You know, and Saka is a superb talent. And Martinelli is a great young player, you know, who, who hopefully will have back soon as well. So there are some things that we should be... Um, retain some hope over but you know it's difficult at the moment when things look um or feel kind of yeah we're we're stuck we're stuck we need something to push us out of where we are right now yeah yeah you mentioned him there i mean john batterson on twitter said was Tierney's reaction at the end good to see or was it a worrying sign that one of our best players is quickly becoming frustrated with our form and the way we're playing he was frustrated with the play acting, wasn't he? I think that's. I think so. I think that's what that was. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I said it on Twitter. I like that character. I like being players being pissed off and and what have you. And um, some people have come back to me about the Ginduzi thing um, after Brighton. Um, I suppose the thing to say there is that the reason Ganduzi was dropped from the team wasn't because of the you know what he did at the end there by grabbing Mope by the throat. There were other things that went on behind the scenes that mm. that led to his omission from the team. So it wasn't the same thing, and I don't think um, Mikel Arteta will be annoyed at Tierney for for his reaction. Um, I suppose it is a. a a demonstration of frustration as well though isn't it you know um, yeah but I think Tierney's got that character anyway do you yeah. know what I mean I, I really do and, and I I also think by the way Tierney is kind of able to back up the the end of game frustration with the in game performances and consistency that I don't think Ganduzi showed mm. yeah know? I mean I agree I, I really like Tierney and I think he's been a really good signing so far when he's mm. been fit. Um, and I, I mean, I don't mind what I saw at all at the end of the game. And I think, and also I don't have an objection to people like Ceballos, you know, acting as a, a peacekeeper for once, uh, getting in the way. And I, I just think, you know, it, it, it didn't even escalate, did it really? He just went over there. He got grabbed. He turned around. He walked away. Tried to go back again, got grabbed again. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I mean, I saw someone saying they didn't like that Shaka was kind of protecting the Leeds player. I, I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, look, you can look at it two ways, right? You can look at it as Shaka protecting his own player from a post game red card, perhaps, because Tierney's 
a really important part of, of this team. So you could look at it from that point of view. I just wasn't 100% on board with the way that Shaka pushed Tierney away. Right. I didn't... I, that didn't sit right with me. Like, I, I think he was at the heart of it, trying to protect him from doing something that, you know, he might regret in the heat of the moment. At the same time, though, with his arm around the opposition player and then pushing your own teammate away, I, I don't know, just wasn't wasn't quite on board with that. I think it's just trying to... I think it's just trying to prevent trouble, personally. I, yeah, but. I think so, too, but I, I just... I just didn't like the way it happened. Mm-hmm. I think if he doesn't, uh, maybe he's not doing his job. Yeah, maybe. Look, I don't want to be... I'm not trying to uh, give Shaq a hard time. It's just a personal thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just... Sort of physical semantics. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And just to go back to what we were talking about earlier, it was from DTDC Gooner, at DTDC Gooner, who says, we're all excited to get a bunch of deadweight off our books this summer in Ozil, Mustafi and Louise. Have we basically just replaced that with new deadweight in Willian, Pepe and Cedric? So, yeah, you know, there's... It goes, but just going back to the squad management thing, you know? Yeah. It's not quite as expensive, but, yeah, it's not great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, question. Let's have a look here. Uh, bah, 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 bah. We did the Bellerin one. Um, I'm sure there were a lot about set pieces. Oh, yeah. Well, many, I've got a couple here, actually. Um, uh, Raul Singal, who's at Royal Gooner, Your Majesty. He says, what was up with our set piece ability yesterday? All of the deliveries right from the start were horrible. And I like this one from Fargo Boyle, who's at Jobs OB, who says, what is the set piece coach teaching? Is he working from home? (laughs) Well, I think we know what he's probably teaching. I think he's probably teaching. It's a bit like Arsenal more generally, isn't it? The emphasis is more on the defensive. We've not conceded a goal from a set piece. There's only two teams in the Premier League who've done that this mm. season. So, you know, I think we, we, it does seem that Mikel Arteta is inherently a guy who's kind of safety, solidity first. And it seems like Andres Jorgsen's uh, priority has been that. And, and we we do seem pretty solid in, in that regard. I, I do also think, I'm sure somebody asked about this. Let me just have a quick look. I can't find it now. Apologies. But somebody asked, and I think it's right, with our corners... We seem to hit the first man so frequently that um, I think we are actually targeting the near post. I think I think we are aiming for the near post, aren't we? Um, or you're not sure? Maybe. I just think that if that's what we are doing or trying to do, we're trying to do it too much. You know, play the odds a little bit. The, the, yeah, yeah. the delivery to the front man or to the near post, you know, can be devastating when you get it right. But it's, you know, it's a long shot, if you like. Put mm. the ball into a dangerous area in the in the box. I think there was one yesterday, like we had a free kick. It could have been when Sobias got, got fouled. Mm. And there was a free kick just to the left of centre. And Pepe stood over it. And Willian stood over it. And Pepe took it, sort of outswinger towards the back post. And I'm looking at that, and I'm looking at it thinking, 
if this was a free kick against us, what would I hate? And I'd hate an in-swinging delivery into a dangerous area where the keeper maybe doesn't know if he should come or not. Or it's one of those where if you just sort of curl it in, it might go through a bunch of players and and that kind of stuff. And I I just wondered why Willian didn't take it. If he's the sort of set piece guy, same with he the one that's important business yeah. matters to attend to in Dubai. Yeah. Point. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just thinking about the fucking sprinkly salt meat wanker, <laughs> fucker. You know, but I mean that simple things like that can make you a bit more dangerous. You know, make the opposition worry about what it is that you're going to do, because you could see it yesterday. After about twenty minutes, twenty five minutes, leads were comfortable. They were comfortable mm. because they knew that the questions that Arsenal were going to ask them on the night were easy to answer. And I think when you're struggling from open play, make the most of your set pieces. And, you know, I'm not saying it was a bad delivery from Pepe, but it's a much easier ball to defend uh, as a defender and as a as a team than that in-swinging one that Willian should have taken. And Reese Nelson's corner kicks and free kicks I'm sorry like I, I like Reese Nelson I think he's a young player of some talent and some promise but there is literally no excuse for a professional player to take four or five set pieces as poorly as he took them even if you are going for the for the first man yeah, yeah, yeah. you know there's no reason why a professional footballer shouldn't be able to like put a cross in or put a a, a a free kick in or a corner kick into, you know, somewhere between the penalty spot and, you know, the six-yard box. It's just infuriating. It drives me fucking mad that we don't have somebody who can take a corner, take a fucking free kick. Like, you know, all it takes is practice to p- produce consistent deliveries. What you got to remember is Andreas Jorgsen is very busy trying to teach Hector Bellerin how to take a throw in. That is where the main focus of his energy is right now. His, his hands are tied. He's just desperately trying to teach Hex Bellerin to take a throw. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I, I agree. It, there's nothing more infuriating, is there, than when you you get yourself a set piece or a corner, you know, and, and you've been under the cosh and you think this is a chance for us to get a goal and you hit the first man. I mean, as a supporter, there is absolutely nothing more infuriating than that. No. And it doesn't feel that difficult. I mean, it isn't that difficult. That's the thing. That's the thing. It is not that difficult. You know, you're not asking them to do the most outrageous piece of skill uh, in the game. It's literally kick a ball with your good foot 20 yards, 30 yards into an area where your teammates can maybe attack it. Mm. You know, and well, not, not- teams all down the divisions can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's maddening, absolutely maddening. And actually, you know, yesterday we we had a bit of a height advantage over Leeds in some areas. You know, we had Gabrielle there, we had Rob Holding. It felt like we we piled the box full. It felt like we fancied our chances, mm. and yet we didn't have the delivery. Yeah, sorry. Hey, I'm hey. sitting here fuming. Mm, mm, mm. 
What what next? James Morgan, who's at Mullet Rider, says, did you see any green shoots from us playing Aubameyang through the middle? Would you play a similar formation against Wolves? Um, what did you make of the performance of Joe Willock in behind? I thought he he didn't really take the chance. You know, I was glad to see him in the team, um, but I don't think it was his best game by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, no. I think, yeah, there were opportunities for, you know, himself and for Pepe to impress. Uh, I mean, did we have one here? I think it was on the on the Discord, and it might just apply to this. Um, let's see. I can't remember where it is. There, there were a couple of moments. <clears throat> I think he, he always offers you that kind of, threat in transition just because he has that running power but there were a couple of moments where he was a bit clumsy on the ball um yeah i mean there was one moment wasn't there where he was on the ball and he was looking for willian to make a run down the left hand side yeah yeah and it was yeah. like you know fucking make a run so i can play a pass to you instead willian kind of just hung around and got under his feet um and there were a couple of moments where he tried to get forward so i always liked that intent with him but i i i can't say that he played particularly well but the question here is um we'll come back to the to the wolves thing uh from the discord sam kazi said should we just stop trying to analyze our players individual performances until the manager fixes his system he says the odds of obamiang lacazette willian and pepe all becoming terrible at the same time are slim even taking into account some of the, 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 I guess, individual issues that those players might have. Absolutely. I do think that's true. I think that's true. So I just want to give that in the context of, um, of the Joe Willock thing and even to an extent the Reese Nelson thing because, you know, he came on at halftime and we don't quite know um, how he might have done with, you know, 11 players on the pitch. So... It's difficult. I mean, I can roast him for his set-piece delivery, but, you know, the overall performance, I I don't think he was any better or worse than anybody else. No, no. I think um, I, I, I think it will be... I think he should try a similar shape against Wolves, to be honest. I don't think, you know, it's kind of a fair test, really, in this game. And I think that we need to... We've not got reason to chuck this out you know it's not like this was any worse particularly than anything else we've tried um so i would be inclined to give it another go i wonder i I guess we'll find out won't we if joe willock's involved on thursday that will tell us something you imagine yeah i i imagine he will be and he should Mm. be i think he should be involved on thursday it doesn't mean he can't play on on um sunday on sunday or be involved in the squad at least on sunday true true um, but the yeah, Sunday night fixtures. Oh, another fucking seven fifteen one. Third time lucky. Maybe, maybe. Gosh, they're not. They've not been the most fun so far. No, they haven't. But I mean, would you stick with Aubameyang up front? Is it a thing that you would like to see again? Even though it didn't particularly work against Leeds. You know, is it one of those things where you can go, well, didn't work against Leeds, you're never going to do this again? Well, I mean, the one thing I didn't consider then is that obviously you're without Pepe now. So yeah. you have to think about how you construct the flanks. You know, if you don't have Pepe, I mean, sure, Saka can come in for him. Mm. Um, 
And maybe that is what will happen. Maybe it'll be Saka on the left and, and Willian on the right if he's fit. <laughs> but if Willian's not fit, I think there's every chance you'll see Lacazette, you know, and mm. Aubameyang and Saka either side. Um, yeah. Here's a tough one for you. What would you rather? Would you rather see uh, Willian starts and Lacazette through and Aubameyang through the middle, or would you rather see Lacazette start and Aubameyang on the wing? Uh, so does that mean Lacazette and Willian start? Uh, no, in that version, um, Saka plays from the right. Uh, I suppose I'm basically asking who would you rather would start out of Lacazette and Willian? Because I guess the chances are one will if Pepe um, is out. Oh, there's a choice, isn't it? Um... You can have Reese Nelson. You can have Reese Nelson's corners again. Um, I think uh, my antipathy for Willian is such that I would rather see Lacazette start. Right, okay. Because, you know, I, I like the idea of Aubameyang in the middle, but we can we can score goals with him on the left, and he has scored a lot of goals from the left and we can get him in the middle more you know yeah um, but that's a terrible choice I know but you know that is uh, that Mikel's is, choice that's where we are yeah thanks to Pepe's suspension right it's frustrating that's why it's so frustrating you know you yeah. sort of move you take a step in one direction and now you've got to go two steps back the other way yeah 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 are we done I think we're done, aren't we? Yeah. I think we're done. I think we're done. We do have Europa League and then we've got Wolves at the weekend. And then, of course, there is a a North London derby the weekend after that. So, look, there is a very, very real need to to at least be able to start producing results. Uh, And Mm. a lot still for Mikel Arteta and his staff and the players to do. So, fingers crossed, they have a busy week in training. Um. We don't get any more bad news regarding injuries. Who are we waiting on? Saka? Uh, Saka, Willian. I mean, I think we think Partey's going to be okay, don't we? We should get Louise back. Yeah. Um, Yeah, he was absent because... um, His wife's giving birth, yeah. Yeah. So we should get him back. Um, I guess if we have him back, we probably have to not have Sabios. You know, they probably can't be in the same room together for too long. <laughs> <laughs> one in, one out. Now, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, it'll be... It's an interesting period, isn't it? Coming up, a lot of games. Yeah. Six games in the next three weeks. So they'll have to juggle a little bit. Yeah. All right. Well, look, um, thank you. We'll everyone. win on Thursday, though. We win the Europa League games, don't we? Yeah, That's we how do. it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I mean, if we don't... Oh, oh how oh my God. What um, what's it? What what do we know of the uh, conditions? Uh, is it going to be like fucking freezing, or let's have a look. Do we have winter anymore now that the world is essentially on fire? Is Mulder a place? Yes, I think it is. Rainy. It sounds like it's rainy and six degrees. That's all right. That's all right. So shouldn't be that tricky. Shouldn't be that tricky. Okay, well, look, um, as ever, folks, thank you for being here. Uh, Thanks for sharing in the, um, what do we call this? Problem shared is a problem halved. 
and all that. So um, absolutely, hopefully, all your problems have been halved, uh, <laughs> like your pears, I guess. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, we will uh, obviously do something in midweek, of course, uh, or towards the end of the week with an Arscast. Um, what time is that game on? Uh, Six early. o'clock. Six o'clock. It's an early one. Okay, so we have Arscast for you on Friday. Um, until then. Keep whatever little bit of faith you have left. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be all right. In fact, it could get a lot worse. Uh, now I'm being doomy here, aren't I? Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> all right, look, uh, I'll leave it there. I don't know what to say to, to, to finish this one well, other than goodbye. I think that's it, isn't it? I think Bye-bye. so. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 